Amen. The book of Revelation, chapter number 12, verses 9 through 11. Remember service tonight at 630. Amen. I told, I told our staff and our difference makers this morning that uh, to, to be here on time and ready to have church because we won't be like the Lord tonight. We're going to do a quick work. Amen. So that you can get home and get some rest. But we're going to have church. When we come through these doors tonight, we're going to come wide open, ready to worship and have church. Let the Lord work. Amen. That's tonight at 6.30. Revelation 12, 9 through 11. And then also we're going to read the book of James, chapter number 2 and verse 19. And the word of the Lord says in Revelation 12 and 9, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him. Everybody say overcame. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. James chapter number 2 and verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God. Do we have any one God believers here today? Oh, thank God for the revelation of Jesus Christ, the eternal God. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe, and I love these last two words, and tremble. The devils also believe and tremble. Amen. I'm going to preach this morning on this thought. You are a champion. You are, look at somebody and tell them, you are a chump. No, don't say that. Say, you are a champion. Come on, look at them. Tell them like you mean it. You are a champion. As a matter of fact, I want you to take their, 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 their hand or their wrist and I want you to raise it in victory while we pray. In Jesus' name. God, I pray in the name of the Lord, have your way here. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost move in this place. Let the seed of your word find good ground and confirm your word with signs following. Let faith be infused into somebody's mind and spirit today. In the name of Jesus, we bind every power of darkness that would hinder the move of your spirit and try to undercut the power of your word. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, I release the anointing of a champion on somebody in this place today. God, I thank you because your word is true in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, and you can be seated. God bless you. The devil knows that if he can steal your joy, your strength will be drained from you. If you spend 
your life, your time focused on how bad things are, feeling sorry for yourself, your joy will disappear. And with your joy disappearing, your strength will disappear. When you worry and complain and fret, your, your problems grow and increase to the point that you often feel overwhelmed by the obstacles in your life. When you feel overwhelmed, this is when people are tempted to throw their hands up in surrender and just give up. They buy into the lies of the devil and lose hope for their soul. The Gospel of John, chapter number 10 and verse 10, Jesus said that the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. May I tell you that the devil's job is killing, stealing, and destroying. That's his business. That's what he does. That's the trade that he has. He wants to get the joy of the Lord out of your life any way that he possibly can because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And when you lose your joy, you lose your spiritual strength. When people lose their strength, they don't even fight. They look at life with an idea, what's the use or what does it matter attitude. I've come today to tell God's people to stop that kind of thinking. Amen. I said, I've told you to stop that kind of thinking. Stop it right now. It's not God's plan for you to be defeated and down and discouraged all the time. It's not the will of God for you to be overcome by the trials and problems and tribulations of this life. My Bible tells me that we were created in the image and the likeness of God. And if, that means that if we're created in his image, if you're a loser, that makes God a loser. And God is anything but a loser. You're created in his image and he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So that means that you were created for victory. You were created to overcome. You were created to win in the trials and tests of life. You were not brought out of darkness to die in defeat and loss. Amen. I wish somebody believed what I was preaching right now. I've come to tell you this morning that Jesus Christ loves you. He believes in you. He lets you hear the gospel. He allowed you to feel his presence to fill, be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, to be baptized in his name. He didn't waste all that on a loser. He lay, gave it to you because he's planning on you being an overcomer in this life. He beat every enemy. He broke every curse. His blood is the cure for every disease. He broke every addiction and sin that you'll ever face. You are a child of God. You're a winner. You are a champion. I wish you'd say it right now. I'm a champion. You have to remember this. You are the one that decides what you're going to believe. The decision is yours. May I tell you that my job as the preacher is often very frustrating because I can pray for God to speak to me and I can hear from God. I can search the scripture and study. I can write a sermon, edit and review and deliver and preach the sermon. But I can't make you receive what I say. And I can't make you believe what I say. And I can't make you act on what I say. 
I know that what I have this morning is sent by God for somebody to turn their life around. I know what I'm preaching this morning is your key to victory and deliverance and joy. But I can't make you take what I say and apply it to your life. But you got to remember this. If the devil can steal your joy, he can defeat you. But if you don't give him your joy, he can't do anything to stop a child of God. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. The, the book of Isaiah chapter number 61 and verse number 3. A powerful passage of scripture. The Bible says that it, it says to appoint to them that mourn in Zion. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. That word appoint means to set or to command, to direct. He said, I am going to command for those that mourn in Zion. Those who are weary and tired and sorrowful and sad. Those who are struggling and burdened. I have, got, I have commanded some things for the life of those that mourn in Zion. I've come to tell the person that feels overwhelmed by life that God has appointed something for you in this place today. God has appointed something for your spirit in this place today. Amen. He said, here is what your appointment is. Here is what God has commanded for you. The Bible said to give unto them beauty for ashes. Ashes were the sign of sorrow and mourning. When somebody was mourning the loss of someone or something, when they were trying to show that they were down and defeated, they would take the ashes of a fire that had been burned out. And they would take the ashes and put it on their head as a sign to everyone that they're going through a trial, that they're weak, that they're mourning. And he said that it was a sign when you saw somebody with ashes on their head. It was a sign that their life was at the bottom, that they were low, and that they were down and discouraged. But the Bible said that he appointed for those that mourn beauty for ashes. That word beauty is actually a Hebrew word that means a headdress. It is a, it's, it's like a hat or a bonnet that was worn during festive occasions. It was like a party hat, if you will, that they would put on and they would put that headdress on as a sign of celebration. And God said, I have made for those that mourn in Zion, I have decided that it's time for them to have a turnaround. I've decided that it's time for them to have a celebration. May I tell you that no matter what you've been dealing with in your life, God has decided to give you a celebration today if you'll take advantage of his word. Amen. I wish somebody'd say praise the Lord. God said, I see the ashes on your head. I see your sorrow, your worry, your sadness. I see your trial, what you've been through. I see what has hurt you. I see what has overcome you. I see what has broken your heart and broken your spirit. But I've decided that I'm going to cover you with an anointing, with a headdress, with a, with a celebration of God's glory on your life. May I tell you, it's not God's design for you to be defeated forever. Hallelujah. Amen. Can I preach a little bit more? I'm just going to tell you, I'm planning on cutting it short tonight, but I ain't planning on cutting nothing today. And the more you stare at me, the longer I'm going to preach. Because I'm not hungry, 
and I'm not tired right now. So I'll just preach till you are. I've come to tell somebody God has made a decision to turn you around and to bless you. And whatever the past has been like, God has made his decision to pick you up. You are a champion. Psalm 61 and 3 continued. Not only is he going to cover the sign of your mourning, but he's going to give you the oil of joy for your mourning, for your lamentation, for your burden of sadness. He said, I'm going to give you the oil. That word oil means the anointing of joy. I'm going to take your sadness and I'm going to give you a joy that overcomes whatever you're going through in this life. How many know you can have troubles in life? I'm not saying you're not going to have troubles. I'm not saying you're not going to have trials. I'm not saying that you're not going to have things that worry you. But what I am saying is in the middle of whatever this world throws at you, the anointing of the Holy Ghost can give you joy in your soul through every trial, through every test, through every tribulation. There's a joy that abides in the spirit that overcomes the things of this world. He said, I'm going to give you the oil. God, I pray you pour the anointing of joy on somebody today. Isaiah 61 and 3 continued. Not only is he going to give you the oil of joy for mourning, but he's going to give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That word heaviness means feebleness. It also means darkness. He said if you find yourself weak or in a dark place in your life, I have given you something that can help pull you out of that weakness and pull you out of that dark place. He said what will pull you out of that spirit of heaviness is if you'll put on the garment of praise. Amen. I, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm thankful for something right now. I'm thankful you all have garments on. I was the guest on a podcast earlier this week. And, uh, and, I, and, and you know, a podcast, it's not video. This, this wasn't a video podcast. This was audio only. And so I was teasing the host and I said, what do I need to wear for this podcast? And he said, nothing. I said, then I ain't coming. And then he realized... What, what, he'd, what he'd said. So I, I'm glad that, uh, that, that you all are wearing garments. Let me ask you this. How many of you got dressed this morning? Good. Maybe a few didn't raise your hand. You're wearing what you wore to bed last night. That's okay. You dress really nice for bed. Your pajamas are better than mine. You got dressed this morning. Who, who got dressed this morning? Eli, you got dressed. Did that suit you? jump on you? How'd it get on you? You put it on. You didn't, your garments don't get on you. You got to put your garments on for yourself. He said, I've given you a remedy for the spirit of heaviness and it is the garment of praise, but you can't expect praise to get on you. You got to put praise on. If you sit around and wait for your praise to come on you, you'll never praise God. That's why you've got to put on the garment of praise. But you need to be a worshiper. Because if you'll worship, you can come up out of your heaviness and your darkness and your weakness. But nobody can make you worship but you. You've got to make a decision right now. I want my life to turn around. I want to get out of this dark place. 
I've watched people go through trials and I've watched them mope and I've watched them hang their head and I've watched them just kind of drag around and they come service after service and they're just hanging. And you know what? You'll never get victory if that's the way you approach God and approach church. But when you're going through a trial, you need to walk through those doors and say, I'm putting on my garment of praise right now. I may not feel like it, but I'm praising God anyhow because I realize that the only remedy for the spirit of heaviness is my God. I wish somebody put it on right now. Well, I don't feel it. You won't feel it if you don't put it on. I, I remember, you know, I, I remember one time I was in, I was in service and I, and I, I was standing over here during the worship service before we had the spaceship with the drums over here. And, uh, and I, I was standing over there, and, I, and I, it was a worship service, and I was worshiping God, and, and something, my, something in my arm just didn't feel right. Like my, something was wrong with my, my sleeve or something. I thought, man, that don't feel right. But I thought, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to worship God. I'm just worshiping God and praising God and, and just I'm a little uncomfortable. I looked down, and I realized that there's a sock hanging out of my sleeve. <laughs> and so I did what all good people do, look around and make sure nobody sees. I took that sock out of my sleeve, it didn't belong there anyhow. Uh, and, and, and the more I worshiped, the more it worked that sock out. It had started out up here, but as I was worshiping, it ended up, and, and, and so my worship worked out what didn't belong there in the first place. Amen. I'm going to tell you, don't think, well, God, when you give me victory, I'll worship. You'll never have victory. Because victory doesn't come to where you are. you got to go where victory is. Your worship works the stuff out. Your worship works the things that don't belong, the things that you might be embarrassed if anybody else saw it. Your worship, you have put on, I wish somebody put on the garment of praise right now. You say, well, I don't feel like it. It's not up to you to feel it. His worthiness doesn't be affected at all by what I feel. But if I want to get out of the spirit of heaviness, I got to put on the garment of praise. I challenge somebody that's going through hell on earth to worship him right now. Somebody that's overcome by heaviness, just praise him right now. It's the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And, and Isaiah 61 and 3 continued that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Amen. He changes all of that. Why? So that they could be called the trees of righteousness. That, that phrase, tree of righteousness, it, it signifies something that is strong. It's the same phrase that they use for like a pillar when they build a building. It's a, it's a pillar of strength that holds it up. It means, it, it means that it is a strong support, a strong oak or some other kind of strong tree, anything strong, strength, that they might be called the strength of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that God planted them and established them Hey, now, now look, they're the planting of the Lord. But did you hear about, oh God, did you read what all they went through? Well, I can't be anything for God. 
because I'm going through a trial. I'm no good to God because I'm so weak and tired. And look what all I've been through. I, I can't be. No, no, no. Listen to who? Listen to who is the planting of the Lord. They were in ashes of mourning. They were in, my God, it rewound all the way to the beginning. God must want me to start at the top again. Hallelujah. If you don't shout right now, I might just do it. Amen. Your pot roast might burn. They had ashes and mourning. Oh, God. They had heaviness. Lord Jesus. They had the spirit of heaviness. They had mourning and they had ashes. But God said, I know they've got all those issues. But when I look at them, what I see is a tree of righteousness. I see somebody strong. I see a support in the house of God. Let me tell you, if you're going through something, don't think you're weak. You're going through it and you're still here. You're going through a trial, but you're still in the house of God. You ought to throw your hands up and say, God, I thank you because even with my trouble, you're establishing me. Let me tell you how you get strong. You make it through your trials. You don't get strong by avoiding trial. You get strong by making it through your trial. Why does, why does God do all that? That he might be glorified. Anybody can worship when everything's going good. Anybody can be strong when they don't have trials and heaviness and burdens. Anybody can be faithful when everything in life is going great. But you show me somebody that worships even when it's not going good. Even when they're in a trial. Even when they're hurting and broken and weak and weary and struggling and fighting against hell. That's the person that gives God glory. Because you remember what the devil said? You remember what the devil said about Job? Anybody will worship when they've got all that anybody will be faithful when they got all that but but then God turned around and said I bet you Job will worship me even when I'm going even when he's struggling even when he's hurt even when he's lost let me tell you something right now you want to know how God gets the most glory it's when you're fighting hell and you worship anyhow it's when you're going through trials and you still keep on coming that's how God is glorified I'm about, I'm about to give a secret away to my daughters. I, I appreciate when I give them something or do something for them, and they, they don't hardly do it anymore because they, they, they got too old for kissing daddy on the cheek or being nice to him. That's sort of a joke. I appreciate it when I do something for them and they tell me thank you or give me a hug. I appreciate it, and, I, and I'm glad they do. But you know what I like more than that? That's after I've blessed them. But you know what would cause more blessings? Is if they didn't wait for the green to go from my hand to theirs. But they preempted the blessing by a thank you. Let me tell you, it's one thing to praise God on the heels of a great breakthrough and a great victory. But if you don't learn to praise God in advance, God loves it more when you're in the middle of a trial and you say, God, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm still going to trust you. I'm going to worship you. I'm telling you, that's how you become a champion. 
A champion is not made when they put the medal around their neck. A champion is not made when they hand the trophy over. A champion is made in the darkness of the morning when they go out and run anyway. It's made in a weight room when you don't feel like it, but you lift anyway. It's made in the solitude of dedication. I wish somebody would just give God praise even in the trial and let it. That's how you become a champion. side he made me leave my phone in my office which has my timer on it God is surely with me and against you I've come today to tell God's people you are champion the word champion comes from the Latin campio which means a fighter you cannot be a champion without a fight the word champion means someone who has defeated their rival you cannot be a champion without a fight. You cannot win without a struggle. And therefore, you cannot be a champion if everything in life is always perfect and great. But it's when you rise to the occasion and overcome what the enemy, my God in heaven, has sent your way, that's when somebody becomes a champion. Revelation 12 and 11, and they overcame him, talking about the accuser. How many know that's what the Bible called the devil, the accuser? of the brethren. The devil's good at accusing, isn't he? Every little thing you do, he'll tell you how bad you are. Every little temptation he sends your way, he'll tempt you, and then he'll tell you how bad you are for being tempted. Every little thing in life, he'll accuse you. You don't deserve the blessings of God. You don't really love God, or you wouldn't even have this temptation. If you love God, you wouldn't even think about this. And all this stuff happens. All this goes on when you're in the struggle and when you're in the battle. The accuser of the brethren. I, I heard a preacher say something one time. I don't remember who said it, but it just blessed my soul and it blesses me every time I hear it. Amen. He said, the devil accuses you because you struggle sometimes to live for God when you have to fight the devil. But the devil didn't have a devil when he fell. The devil tells you how weak you are for your trials and tribulations. The devil fell when there was no devil. You're strong enough to live for God with the devil. He was so weak he couldn't live for God when there was no devil. So when he tells you you can't make it, you just remind him, I've already made it further than you did. I already lasted longer than you did. I stayed in the fight longer than you did. Amen. They overcame him. Oh, Lord Jesus. Amen. I, I'm, I'm going to crowbar somebody out of their seat here in a minute if I have to. Amen. They overcame him. How did they overcome the enemy? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Amen. They overcame him. That word overcame means to subdue, to conquer, to prevail, to get the victory, to carry off the victory, to come out victorious from a root that means to conquest, to have victory, to have success. They overcame him. Amen. The devil wants you to doubt your Christ. The devil wants you to, to doubt and to live in fear. He wants you to feel insecure, weak, worthless, and hopeless. I don't know if I can make it or not. I don't know if I can survive or not. But I've come to tell you, you are an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. May I tell you, the devil fears the blood of Jesus. 
Amen. I said the devil fears the blood of Jesus. The devil should have known better. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. The devil should have known not to let those Roman soldiers crucify Jesus. He knew what the Bible said. He knew that all things are purged with blood. He knew that life was in the blood. He knew that blood was an atonement for sin. He should have said, Roman, he should have said, Roman soldiers, strangle Jesus if you've got to. Drown him if you got to. Do anything, but don't let him bleed. If you ever let him bleed, then we'll have redemption. If you ever let him bleed, there'll be forgiveness. If you ever let him bleed, there'll be life. But they weren't smart enough. And so they crucified the Lord of glory. And his blood came out of his body. But what drained out of his body filled the church. Woo! Glory to God. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost up here. Yeah! When they took that cat of nine tails and they stripped the clothes off the back of Jesus and they laid that whip against his back and pulled the flesh off. When that first drop of blood began to come down his back, it paid for the healing of every sickness and disease of all time. When those nails pierced his hands and his feet, it overcame every drug addiction, every alcoholic addiction, over every lust. When they never should have let him bleed but they did and thank God that he did hey. well I plead the blood I plead the blood against the devil I plead the blood against sickness I plead the blood against temptation I plead the blood they were made overcomers by the blood of the lamb because he died you've got victory The blood that flowed down that old rugged cross drained the life out of Jesus. But it was an infusion of life into his people. I've heard so-called apostolic churches that are so concerned with what visitors and guests think that they have abolished the blood from the church. It's too, too messy, too barbaric, too gory. I heard one time of a church that went through their songbook back in the days when they had them. And they, they took a razor blade and they cut out every song that talked about the blood because they were afraid that the guests would be alarmed by how bloody and gory that the songs were. And may I say to every guest at Bethlehem today and every guest that's watching online that we never have the intention to offend anybody. And if we've offended you at any time, we apologize that you were offended. But I do not apologize for the blood of Jesus Christ. I know it's barbaric and it's messy and it's gory. But if it wasn't for the blood, I couldn't be a champion. I was made an overcomer by the blood of the lamb. So I don't apologize for the blood. That old chorus we used to sing says, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood that saved me. One day when I was lost, Jesus died on a cross. And I know it was the My God, I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hebrews 9 and 27 said that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Thank God for the blood that washes white as snow. 
May I tell you, the devil fears the blood of Jesus Christ. Satan takes a whole lifetime to get people right where he wants them. He'll take their whole life, maybe start them off being abused as a child. Perhaps he'll somehow get them tied up with some kind of an addiction. He'll take their whole life to get them bound, maybe turn them into a thief or a gambler, an alcoholic of some sort. He'll take their whole life to get them to be an abuser, an, an adulterer, a liar, a thief. He'll take their whole life to make them a fornicator, a pervert, porn addict. He'll take a whole lifetime to get them right where he wants them. And then all it takes is one drop of the blood of Jesus. And it frustrates a lifetime. How many, uh, how many of you, the devil took your whole life and had you bound in sin, but you found your way to a church and the Holy Ghost touched you and the power of God touched you and that lifetime of investment by hell was obliterated in one moment by the blood of Jesus. They're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb. What can wash away my sin? Nothing, come on, say it with me. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on, let's all be rappers today. I tell people I don't sing, but I rap. What can make me whole again? Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Say it with me. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I see a crimson stream of, I'm telling you, the blood's flowing through this church right now. The blood of Jesus is flowing through this place right now. It's flowing through your pew. He'll, he'll make you an overcomer today. It's flowing through this altar. You can be an overcomer today. <laughs> Isaiah 53 and 5, but he was. Everybody say was. was. Come on, say it with me. He was. was. Say it with me again. Shout it out. He was. was. That means it's already been paid for. That means you have to say, God, will you pay for my sin? It's already been paid for. You have to beg God, Lord, would you do something to help me out of my mess? It's already been paid for. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes. Now, wait a second. Now, wait a second. It was all, it was all past tense. You see that? He was wounded. He was bruised. Our peace was on him. But now it goes present tense. By his stripes, we are healed. Your healing has already been paid for. The price has, your deliverance has already been paid for, my brother. The lamb was slain. The lamb was slain. But he is risen and he's alive. Jesus, have mercy. Mm. Some of y'all that aren't real into this ought to pray I get hungry soon. God told Moses, before you can be free from your bondage, there's got to be a lamb slain. Jesus was the lamb slain so you can be free. Jesus died to deliver us from our sins, from our bondage. You can be free. Amen. I'm going to say that again, and I'm going to expect everybody in this place to say amen. You can be free. Amen. amen. The lamb died for your house, for you, for your family, 
for your deliverance. Exodus 12 and 7, they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. It was not enough that the lamb died. I said it was not enough that the lamb died. The blood of the lamb had to be applied to the house. The blood of the Passover was applied to the houses above the door and down the two sides of the door. It would, they would take a hyssop branch. Hyssop is a tree. They, it, it was, they didn't take a fancy little paintbrush. It was a, it was a branch from a tree. Uh, the average lamb, the average lamb had two and a half cups of blood. The Bible said take the blood of the lamb. They would take that hyssop branch and they would dredge it through that basin that had the blood of the lamb. They would take it and then they would put it above the door and down the sides. It wasn't a pretty little art project. It was an HGTV special about how to do painting with blood. No, no, it was, it was a mess. They took, that, they took that, that branch and dredged it through the blood and put it over their door, two and a half cups, two and a half cups. Now let me ask any father in this place, if there was a word that came to you and said there's an enemy coming to destroy your firstborn, but by the time the sun comes up in the morning, your baby's gonna be dead, and here's the only way that you can get it. You gotta take the blood of a lamb, and you gotta put it over your doorpost and down the side. I'm gonna tell you the way I feel about it. I'm not just gonna take a little dot and put a little dab and a little dab and a little dab and hope that's good enough. If I know that that blood is the only thing between my family and the devil, I'm gonna take every drop of that two and a half cups of blood and I'm gonna paint it, I'm gonna put it everywhere because I wanna make sure that God sees the blood. I'm tired of people trying to be pretty Pentecostals. I'm tired of trying to have pretty little church where we look all fancy. Hey, I'm not in this to look fancy. I'm trying to save my family. Whatever I got to do, God. I don't care what it looks like to the world. I don't care what it looks like to my neighbors. I got to save my family. Moses' job was to convince Israel to put the blood on their house. My job is to convince you to put his blood on your life. The burden of transgression required blood and religion was a bloody exercise. Lambs and doves and oxen and sheep slain by the thousands over the centuries, all trying to get enough blood to purchase redemption. Gallons of blood spilled every morning and evening New moons and Sabbaths, holidays and feasts all required the shedding of innocent blood to cover the sins of the people. With no matter how perfect the lamb, no matter how spotless the sacrifice, there was no true remission because all it did was push back the penalty a little bit longer. It was in that dark and troublesome era that authors and poets and preachers and prophets all looked ahead longingly for a Messiah, a Savior, a King, who would deliver them from the power of sin. What the blood was for the Old Testament in Israel, the blood is for the New Testament church. The blood saved their children. It covered their sin. It bought their peace and gave them healing, delivered them, set them free. The blood was their token of redemption. Ephesians 1 and 7, in whom we have redemption. Everybody say redemption. redemption. Through his blood. 
the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Somebody say, thank God for the blood. You've made overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. Hebrews 9, 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience. Everybody shout conscience. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. The blood of Christ answered the requirements of sin and death. Life is in the blood. The blood paid for your sins to be forgiven. It paid for your salvation. It paid for your healing, but that was not all the blood paid for. Can I preach a few more minutes to you? The blood paid to purge your conscience. To purge your conscience. Some people keep falling back into sin because of feelings of guilt and shame and failure. Well, you think if I'm going to feel dirty, I might as well be dirty anyway. But the blood was shed not only to cleanse you, but to purge your conscience from dead works. I'm telling you that you have the authority from the Word of God to declare that the devil leave your conscience alone. I appreciate the three of you for agreeing with the Bible. I plead the blood over your conscience right now. Devil, that's what I was, not who I am. That's what I did, not what I do. That's not my current reality. I plead the blood over my life. I cover it. I cover my past by the blood. I cover who I was by the blood. I wish somebody lay their hand on their head and say, God, let the blood touch my mind. Let the blood touch my thinking. Help me, God, to have my conscience pure, purged by the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 12 and 10, I heard a loud voice saying, In heaven now has come salvation and strength and, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them day and night before the Lord. And they overcame him, verse 11, by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. My brothers and sisters, true deliverance is not only with the blood. It requires the word of your testimony as well. A testimony is a report or a witness. There is incredible power in your words. Hallelujah. If you speak failure, you'll be a failure. If you speak victory, you'll get victory. Your testimony is crucial to your victory. Your testimony puts you out there. It leverages what God's doing. If I said God is good, then I ought to worship him like he's good. So by me saying God's good, it puts a responsibility on me to treat him like he's good. So my testimony helps me to live and act in the way that I spoke. Well, all right. If I said God helped me through my trial, then I have to live like I've been helped and my testimony becomes part of my victory. I've seen people when they were in a fight for their soul, they just began to worship God and that praise became their testimony and their victory. Now the Bible said they were overcomers. They were made overcomers by the word, the word, word. The word, word. 
in the in the, the Greek there is the word logos. It means a spoken word, something that is said. You can't think the word of your testimony and it do you any good because it didn't say they were they were made overcomers by the thoughts of their testimony. It was by the word of their testimony. At some point, you've got to open your mouth and you've got to speak victory into your life and into your family. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody in this place ought to open your mouth and right now say, I am a champion. I'm a winner. I've been delivered. God saved me. God loves me. We're so quick to speak the negative, but you're going to be made an overcomer by the word of your testimony. I wish somebody would do it right now. I wish you'd just say, God, I'm a champion. God, I can do this. God, I can make it. I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. Brother Brian, you might as well get your voice warmed up, son. You get ready to sing whether you want to or not. The only way you get out of it is laryngitis. You're an overcomer by the word of your testimony, by the words that you speak in faith. Amen. Don't say, I, I, we, we, were, we were in Difference Makers this morning, and, and, uh, and one, of the, one of the children in the church that sang recently, they, I, I told them they did good, and they were telling me how they didn't do good. And I told them, I said, don't say that. So there's enough negative people in the world that's going to put you down. Don't you ever put yourself down. Amen. Don't you ever say something about yourself that you don't want to be the truth. Don't ever knock yourself down when God's trying to pick you up. He didn't die on a cross so you can beat yourself up 24-7 and talk about how no good you are. When you say you're no good, you're saying that God doesn't know what he's buying. When he spread his arms and shed his blood, he shed his blood because he believes you're a champion. He has good for your life. He wants to bless you and help you. Come on, I wish you'd say, I'm a champion. It's the word, it's the word, the Greek word. It's a decree, it's a mandate, it's a declaration, it's a living voice, it's gotta be spoken. You cannot think I'm an overcomer. You, got, you cannot think the word of your testimony. You have to say the word of your testimony. You have to speak it out. You say, well, I don't know if I can say that because if I say it, it might be a lie because what if I'm not a champion? Well, then don't say your words. Well, I don't really know if I can. I don't really know if I'm able. I don't know if I can make it. Well, then don't say your words. Say what the Bible says. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I can overcome my addiction. I can overcome my fear. I can overcome my poor raising. I can overcome lust. I can overcome worldliness. I can overcome what the devil's throwing at me. I can do all things through Christ. I can do it. I'm a champion. God, not by me, but by you. Not because of me, but because of you. Come on, I wish you'd look at somebody and raise their hand and say, you're a champion. You can do this. You can do this. You can make it. You can have victory. You can overcome whatever the devil's thrown at you. You are a champion. Oh, I wish somebody would raise their hands in victory right now. I wish somebody would raise their Look, you got to put on the garment of praise. Stand with me all over this place. That's right, Bishop, he's quoting a verse, thanks be to God, which causes us always to triumph in him.
I am, come on, say it with me. I am a champion. I'm a winner. I'm going to preach till they fire up the band, I suppose. Let me tell you, the devil trades in low confidence and low esteem. He deals by trying to undercut your faith because faith is the substance of things hoped for. Devin, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you the devil's always going to try to get you not to believe that you can do something for God because he's trying to take your faith. Because if he can get you to not believe, then he binds what God can do. So you have to make a declaration. You're made an overcomer by the word of your testimony. Say it with me. I am a champion. I'm a winner. I'm gonna tell you, I, I, know, I know we've got parents here and you wonder if, you think about me, I, I don't know if I'm raising my, I don't know if I can raise my kids, I don't know, I, I feel like such a failure. Let me tell you what you are, you're a champion. You bring them to church, you teach them the word of God, you pray for them, you love them, and don't ever tell them you're no good, you're good for nothing. You'll never amount. You speak words of faith, declare the word of God. I can do all things through Christ. I am a champion. I was reading an article some time ago. When you get older and you start having memory problems, you don't start saying when you did, you just say some time ago because you can't remember when it some time ago, I was reading an article, and it said that anthropologists have studied cultures from all around the world, from every continent, and they found that there is a universal sign of victory that all cultures show, whether it's North America, Africa, Europe, Asia, South America, that when people cross the finish line, it is, it is just innate. They just do it. They don't have to learn it. It just happens. They throw their in the universal sign of victory. You know what I am today, Bishop? I'm a champion. Because I made it this far. Here I am. I'm ahead. I, I, I may not have always been perfect, but I'm here. I'm a champion. I wish somebody just raised their hand right now and let faith come into your spirit. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of the Lamb over the mind and the heart, over the people. I plead the blood of the Lamb over the people in this building right now and the people watching online. I plead the blood for victory and deliverance and hope and grace. Come on, why don't you begin to put on your garment of praise for your victory right now. Why don't you predict your overcoming by putting on your praise? Overcomer, I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. 
Open your mouth from the front of the altar all the way to the back. You may not sing it. God knows I'm not going to try, not when he's singing it. But I'm going to say it with him. Because it's the word. You've got to speak it. You've got to say it. It's not the thought of my testimony. It's not the feeling of my testimony. It's the word of my testimony. We're not going to let him entertain us with his talent. We're not going to let them just entertain us with their ability. I'm going to do, I'm going to take what they're doing and I'm going to let it work in me and let it become the word of my testimony, not his, mine. Let's do this.
special prayer for anything in your life. Maybe you're struggling. It doesn't have, it could be anything. But why don't you step out and come up here and let somebody lay a hand on you and pray for you.
a champion. We have any champions in here this morning? Hallelujah. We're in a fixed fight. We know who wins this battle in the end. Amen. Amen. Let's remember we have first steps immediately following service. If you're a visitor, uh, first-time guest, you're welcome to join us for a meal. And uh, you'll learn all about our church, how we deal with things, how we work. Uh, and, and you'll see that you can be a part of it. And uh, you'll enjoy the food and fellowship. We hope you come to First Steps. And don't forget, we have service tonight, 6.30, come prepared. 6 o'clock for prayer. We'll have church get it through, and let's go home and rest. Amen. And all those that were in camp meetings say, amen. Amen. <laughs> You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. Bring your tithes to the Lord this morning. Bring your tithes unto the storehouse.